Welcome, welcome to Nice Work. This is a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where our mission is super simple. It's just to, to make the world 10% nicer. Me, I'm your host. My name's Todd Brilliant. And today, today, today you get the treat of meeting two of my total all-time favorite musicians. We have Bobby Kahn, aka Jeffrey Stafford. And he's a he's a musical messiah of the post-consumptive capitalism apocalypse. Yeah. That works. He's a messiah of that. And along with that is his wife, Julie Pomerleau, a.k.a. Monica Boo Boo. And they've toured the world. They've toured the world as, as rock and roll, punk rock, disco glam superstars, cranking out just, just genre-bending music for, you know, almost 25 years. And, 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 and while they haven't quit their day jobs, Bobby, Bobby Jeffrey and, and Monica Julie have never given up on their calling, never given up on their passion. And that's, that's at the heart of this podcast. They have a, a brand new, perfectly titled record landing in the middle of a pandemic. You'll learn why it's perfectly titled later. And, and this husband-wife team are pursuing their passion. They're raising a family and they're just plain old getting it done. And, and they're doing something that a lot of couples struggle with, which is very successfully mixing the personal with the professional together. That's, that's hard. I've struggled with that. A lot of you can, can relate to the difficulties of that in a, in a relationship, in a couple relationship. So, so buckle up, knuckle down, strap on, whatever. And we're going to jump into pretty rambling hour of super mixed quality, quality super mixed audio quality, discussing uh, titillating topics like the Chicago indie rock event jazz music scene. A lot of Chicago music in in this podcast. Uh, Polish Korean music food, music food fusion food. Meeting David Bowie, the forever sexy, forever heroic Ian Savonius, uh, Armageddon, of course, Armageddon, and and why Bobby owes L.A. the best rock show of his life. And then when it's all over, when we're all done with that, you'll get to listen to a brand spanking new song from Bobby and Monica called Disaster which is a killer track, and it's absolutely the anthem for our current reality. So crank it, crank it, play it loud. And, and then find the rest of the album wherever you get your musical fix. Okay, you ready? Okay, here we go. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, and I really wish that recovery wasn't launched into the teeth of this thing. Um, well, it's 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 sort of a good it's sort of a good bad good news bad news thing. I mean, on yeah. the one hand, you know, I've been I've been writing about the collapse of uh, cap the capitalist system uh, and sort of our complacency watching it implode for my whole career. And now that it's kind of finally happening, uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, it's sort of. Is there a vindication there for you? Are you enjoying your smug satisfaction? There's a little bit of, uh, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's 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 not good, you know, because because um, you know a lot of people are are getting really hurt. So that there's not any satisfaction, but it it is. But it is, I guess, sort of a bitter, bittersweet vindication. And also, I feel like if we do make it out on the other side of this, 
then the title recovery is so appropriate. It's so, perfect. It's so on point, you know, it's perfect because we're going to need it. And that's my new tagline, which is uh, recovery. You're going to need it, both the album and the, and the concept. So yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Um, but I will also say that my last record came out in 2013, which is, it doesn't seem like that long to me. And this record is already done way more you know business than that record it's got a way better album cover let's be honest you're on it man and you know i made the last album you're looking like a passed out collapse nick no but it's perfect for the time it's like your album cover is what's happening right now it just feels like it well and also maybe people are home and don't have that much else to do so they're actually listening yeah yeah i mean i you know because like now that I mean, Spotify wasn't really a thing seven years ago, but now it is. I can like, I can see the ticker of my Spotify plays occur in real time, which is, you know, gross and also satisfying at the same time. I mean, it's, you know, I guess the way that I always put it is like, on the one hand, if you look at like my sales figures, which are always in like the the thousands and not in the hundred thousand. And let's be honest, could you ever understand those sales sheets that you used to get? No, no. You never understand. Yeah, they're royalty statements. But but if you think of it, they were just fucking you. Well, there was words and numbers on a page that we could never figure out. Like Words and numbers. God. (laughs) But if you... (laughs) (laughs) The way I like that... That's what kind of builds society, but you know, whatever. Words and numbers. To sell like, you know, 5,000 records or, you know, 3,000 records or 10,000 records. The idea that there are strangers that I don't know that enjoy music that I made is still like kind of blows my mind, actually. Because why? Why does anyone care at all? Why does even one other person care than me? That's... that's I'll tell you... I'll tell you... Okay, I'll tell you... I'll tell you why I care. And maybe I told you this, you know, years ago when, when we met in person, but... I'll just start with my story of, of how I ran into you guys, how I came to know uh, your music. So I was in Chico, California. I was working at Tower Records. One of my reps from Truck Stop, were you on, was that Truck Stop? Yeah, it was Truck Stop. Yeah, okay. So one of my reps from Truck Stop, I don't remember her name, she sent me a package in the mail just randomly, not to Tower, but to my home. And uh, it was just a little box and it was Rise Up with a yellow post-it and it just said on there, this CD will change your life. Wow. And I was like, damn, that's a big claim. So I went over, I put it in my booming system, and I just sat in the middle of the living room. And, and, and I mean, I totally remember it. You know, this is, this is like a musical moment for me. There was like this twined violin and, and piano, was it? Or guitar that it comes in on. Piano mm-hmm. and violin, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it just, the second track, not the first track, uh, Rise Up, the, the lead track. And it mm-hmm. just builds and builds and builds and i just sat there transfixed <laughs> on my living room seriously my smile just got bigger and this is a true story i'm not bullshitting you at all you know just because you're the guest right now um my smile just got bigger and bigger and the song just got these layers of glam and then disco and then and just boom and i'm like oh my god this is fucking amazing and plus it was paired with all this post-apocalyptic dark lyrics that you know you throw out there so it was just like the perfect combo for me and i just over the years i played that track for so many people just i didn't make them wait for it i'm like just 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 wait for it and it, it always works everyone loves it and then the rest of the record too i just because at that point i was a religious studies major in college and on the side i was studying all sorts of 
free Masonic shit and uh, conspiracy theories. And it was just so, and that album cover, who did that album cover? Who painted that album cover? Uh, it's our friend Michael Culligan painted it uh, to my my specification. It's, I, it's amazing. Everybody, it's, check out the Rise Up album cover. It's in, our, uh, it's in our living room, the original of it. It's, uh, how big is it, maybe? It's it's actually the size of, of a of a gatefold record. It's 12 really? by 24. Oh, is it really? Yeah, okay. it's, exactly the, wow. it's exactly the size of a record. Oh, cool. I worked on that for five months. Yeah, but it, it was... It was so great because he's I, a really wonderful painter. I mean, what's his name again? Uh, Michael Culligan. Michael he doesn't Culligan. really he doesn't really paint anymore, but he's also a musician and sort of an avant-garde musician who did a lot of stuff with the Flying Lutenbachers and the sort of. Well, he was in a very early music. version of Math with Quintron. Mr. Quintron. Oh, Mr. Quintron. Yeah. Mr. Quintron. I have I have a Quintron CD somewhere. This is this is Chicago 1990s, huh? Right. Yeah. 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 Mr. Quintron is now firmly Orleans, Mr. Yeah. New Orleans, but but back. What was what was the other one? Something in the Flossies. Oh, oh Flossie and the Unicorns. Flossie and the Unicorns. I think I have yeah, that CD somewhere Chicago. too. She's uh, she's um New Orleans. She's yeah, oh, okay. That, that fancy of Pussycats. Uh, That's his wife. Uh, band. Uh, oh, okay. So yeah, just saying about the cover, it was just, it was so great. And I take it for, for granted because like he offered to do it. And then the fact that he allowed me to like come over like every couple weeks to like add like, oh, I think there should be like an atomic blimp in there. Or like, <laughs> don't you think there should be another sun in the planet? Or what if I had like a green halo? So like all the stupid little details like are the all, mouse. Are all, yeah, <laughs> are all added in. Uh, I think there should be a mouse painting. The yeah, whole thing. <laughs> right. Like, what if the artist was actually a mouse? <laughs> you know, uh, just was that a what was it? I don't, I don't have any of the stuff in front of me. Was it a the grill? Was that a Pontiac on the front? Or yeah, the on that car it was a, a yeah. Grand Prix. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just like every little detail was just something that I could. I wanted you know the mushroom buildings. Yeah. Was, Sort of oh, I, I loved it, man. And uh, did it, you know, did it change my life? I mean, I would say that it changed certain trajectories. After listening to it, you know, became a real fan. Years later, what was it? Probably was my oldest son. Your son, Augie. Mm -hmm. When was he born? 2001. So 2003. I think he was two years old when he was playing the drum kits in the uh -huh. back of the Raven Theater because you brought him to the show. Right. So around 2003, I was running... Yeah, the Raven Theater uh, in... I remember that, fondly. <laughs> yeah, brought you guys in. He's like, wait, I get to book bands into this cool... Well, it's not, I mean, it's not a beautiful theater, but it was the theater I got to work with. Yeah, 500 seats, right? So I made flyers, put them everywhere, promised money back, greatest rock show of your life for your money back. I even made like trading cards of, of mm. all the Glass Gypsies. Uh, the band's called Glass Gypsies, everybody. Yeah, Bobby Conn and the Glass we Gypsies. We still had some of those. And we built a, a catwalk that went out over the first like four yeah. or five rows for you guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think we only got like seventy or eighty people in there. But it was, I, it was such a great show for me because by the end of it, everybody was up on stage dancing with you guys. Yeah, the band, and it was just amazing. Yeah, so. Does that change? Yeah, yeah. It definitely augments my life, you know, running into that CD. And since then, um, you two, we've hung out in Chicago once or twice. You introduced me to the, the best Polish-Korean fusion I've ever had. It's probably the only Polish-Korean What's that place, Kim? Kimski. Kimski. Yeah. Kimski. Is Kimski going to yeah. survive the... Uh, 
We ho- I think still around. I think yes. So okay. he he also owns a brewery and um, radio station and all this stuff, right? Yeah. So yeah. He, and he um, Illinois is a currently, I mean, for at least for now, allowing restaurants and breweries and stuff to do curbside pickup. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's just squeaking by. I mean, yeah. to, so he has a layoff. So you can order beer from them. You can, you know. So if you get to Chicago, look up Kimski. K-I-M-S-K-I. It's Korean-Polish fusion. It's also a great place to hang out, drink beer. He's got a the Mars Brewery also has a tap room that's really, really awesome that you should check out if you're in Chicago. So shout out to Kimski. Also, Michael the Painter. Before I forget, his name's oh. Michael, right? Michael Culligan, yeah. Michael Culligan, if you're listening, start painting again, okay? We call him Cugs. Cugs. Yeah. You've got nothing else to do. The virus is going to be here for two, three, four, five years, okay? <laughs> So start no, painting. No, I want to see no, more. No, 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 no. <laughs> so you guys, um, I want to get into your partnership as a as a as a team. You know, husband, wife, and and musically and everything. And but quarantine buddies. A, we're a quarantine. <laughs> Did you just say quarantine? Quarantine. Yeah. Wow. Quarantine. That's a good one. The one I thought of yesterday was the. Um, uh, I don't remember, but it was good. It was. Well, we have a couple quarantines uh, stuck. Oh, in. the Quarantine. isolation isolation bucket challenge. Oh yeah, nice. Oh, yeah. I thought the isolation bucket challenge could be good. I just haven't figured out what that is yet. Yeah, you know? that yeah. Be really if you figure it out, you can have it. No, um, <laughs> so we've gotten a fair way in here. A lot of people that uh, are listening to this that aren't fans of yours already, which is I don't know probably very small percentage I would yeah think. very small percentage <laughs> they might not know what you guys are all about what your music is all like and i don't really love like over the years you know musical press you know like they do with everybody they compare right they consistently compare you to other grades they'll describe you guys with references to obviously to glam rock and disco t-rex bowie prince even even p-funk there's just a lot of references that get those made. are all those are all fine things I'll take those are those. all fine things you know but i want listeners to get an idea of your sound um but i don't want it to imply that 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 what i have a hard time with comparisons although they're impossible to get away from is that they can imply that an artist is, is derivative you know oh, we're, I, well see now i'm not gonna really rebel against that because i mean i'm i'm really derivative i'm not gonna Oh, but to me, it was just so original sitting there and, you know, first impressions, right? Well, I sitting think there in my living room, I'm like, holy shit, I've ne- this is like nothing I've ever heard before. Well, that's because um, I'm not very good at copying. Uh, see, that's, that's, I think, the, that's, I think, the thing. And in my mind, I'm making like the most mainstream pop music that I possibly can. But it, this is the way it comes out. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's not for, it's you know, like I had an interview, I did an interview for uh, a, a, a UK magazine, uh, Shindig, and they're asking oh, yeah. me, so, so Bobby, do you think you, do you feel like you, you, you didn't get a chance to sell out? And I'm like, I've been trying to sell out ever <laughs> from the very first thing. And the fact that like, I've gotten this far I, again. It's still kind of a it's kind of a miracle to me because, like, you know, I've always wanted to make to make pop music. I've never I've never like tried to like oh this is you know tried to be like I'm trying to be weird here. I'm not trying to be weird. I'm trying to make it the way that I think pop music should sound, and whether it 
is actually popular or not is I so I so when people ask me like like when uh, Julie's relatives ask me uh, what kind of music I make I usually say unpopular pop music that's gen that's usually kind of yeah that's that's it's definitely so definitely it, have great hooks you guys what was I listening to today when I was kind of getting in the mood uh, waking up late uh, for this podcast um, oh off macaroni can't stop the war. Yeah, I, was, I haven't listened to that one in, in a little bit. That's a great. Anyway, yeah, this a, isn't yeah. about my personal favorites. But so you have a new record, Recovery, just dropped two weeks ago, week and a half ago? Uh, on the 20th, so just just a little over a week ago. Right, so it's going head-to-head with the new Childish Gambino. You know, right. I'm sure you guys are like neck and neck. Uh, probably, yeah. I like that you're sort of about the Childish Gambino record. Yeah, I we'll have, have to check it out because I, uh, I really what? do love. I love Childish Gambino. You have recovery out. It just yeah. dropped. What were you going into it with? What was the sort of creative inspiration? You can say I didn't have one. I just made some songs. But you know, was there? Oh, was no. there... Yeah. I mean, oh, this record germinated. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's festered. Those are good festering. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I came up with the. Uh, um, I came Sat up with the stock pot for a while. I came up with the song "Recovery" quite a while ago, just like using really, really cheapo music software on my laptop while I was traveling. And this was quite a few years ago. And I just, I just really liked the line, you know, "Help me, help myself." I think I need another helping, which kind of like, it's both like earnest and sincere and desperate, but also to me captures the narcissism of what the recovery movement in America is. People have kind of co-opted the idea of, of personal recovery to every th- single aspect of their lives so that like, you know, it's not just limited to drug addiction, you mm-hmm. know, if people that are, have uh, sexual disorder, sexual addiction or disorders, or I'm, I'm a workaholic, like every single like problem you have is then turned into a pathology that then you have to recover from. I was kind of like making fun of that a bit, but then the way that life does over the the period of working on this record, a couple of good friends of ours uh, committed suicide, and oh, wow, and so that kind of made it a little more more real. And then I think just the way that I just see just how cruel this whole like bootstraps and. You know, when when self help is the only help you get, is uh, that's kind of you know the way I feel like that's what America's all about right now. So that's kind of what the what the record came came in conceptually about, and it it's gotten just kind of progressively uh, more real, <laughs> more real, and a little more sour as the as it's gone in. And then I you know, and then the musically, I'm trying to make it again like as as fun as possible as you can with that material and so that's the that's the dichotomy of it and and also you know we've been we've been really really lucky like we personally have not you know so many of our our creative friends our artist friends have had a lot of problems with uh mental health substance abuse just poverty period and like we've managed to avoid a lot of that and had we've had a stable relationships so so far uh, uh, <laughs> after twenty some years and after twelve days inside you know, I mean, yeah, right. and let's see what you know, happens in thirty days yeah I mean it's just a lot of stuff that's like broken just exactly the right way for us to like continue 
making music and doing it together and having a family. And, and so, I mean, I feel like really super fortunate, but it also makes me feel a little bit ambivalent about trying to like claim to be some kind of political or social revolutionary because like, I mean, when the status quo ain't bad for you, it tends to lead to some pretty like conservative and complacent outcomes. And I, so the record's also about that. Mm -hmm. Well, years ago you said, I've always done lots of social commentary that I believe in pretty strongly, but I'm very uncomfortable with the role of the artist as a meaningful social critic. My whole generation is a confused group of people with an ambivalent way of dealing with protest. Do you still feel pretty much that the same way about that? Has well, that evolved since? I definitely think that's true of, of my generation and maybe that you're, you know, like this, the Gen Xers. Cause I mean, like basically, you know, the sort of shorthand for Gen X and I think it's, it's kind of true is that like we traded in any kind of like actual political action or social action and idealism for the opportunity to be edgy, you know? So to me, like, you know, the idea that like, I mean, and actually, I mean, I'm going to say this, but I actually kind of do like Marilyn Manson, like not the music so much, but like as an artist, I think he's, he's okay. When like all your rebellion is consumed in Marilyn Manson or something like that, where it's just purely like hair and shoes, uh, just <laughs> sort of vaguely transgressive, you know, I guess. Mismatched contact lenses. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like I'm looking spooky. And I mean, the body con persona, that's kind of where I, I'm, I'm mocking or playing into that too, because, you know, I'm 52 now. And so when I put on my Bobby Con eyeliner and makeup, it's like, I look horrible. <laughs> and people are just like, ah. Oh, I think it's great. I think it's, no, I think like, it's you're, you're owning it, you know? You, you I, I, yeah, can only change your look to update and look better, quote unquote, right? But there's that fine line between pathos and pathetic that I really... That exactly, album cover... Yeah, yeah. Uh, but see, you, you don't seem, it's like you come across as either completely unaware that it just has that look or you are just owning it. And I'm pretty sure you're owning it, you know. You don't even that, know, oh, you don't yeah, even know how pathetic that album cover actually was. Oh no, I watched the video. It's in there too, though. You, 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 you push on that in, your, in the video for the, the new video for, for uh, disaster. disaster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I just... I think it's great. It's, I think it's spot on. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, and also I, I kind of feel like that's, that's all I can do. You know what I mean? There is a, there, I watched, uh, we watched the, which one, the, the bourgeoisie, the, no, the no, LA. I'm thinking I've been watching a lot of, um, of French once movies. upon a time in LA in our quarantine. Once oh, upon right. a time. Oh, oh, yeah. And there's a, did you watch the, that with Augie? No, I watched that with you. Oh. And you and Augie, oh, remember okay. when theater and that scene where Brad Pitt takes oh, his, right, 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 right. He he takes, he's on the roof and he takes he's his shirt off and, and, and all off. of us, all and of us are like, really? Yeah. Yeah. And he's, I mean, cause he's born, he's, he's my age, you know what I mean? I'm <laughs> yeah. just like, I'm like, that's just not going to, that's just not who I am. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, not going to happen. Well, we're Midwesterners. Just, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just not, that's, that's not going to happen. So. Five push-ups a day. Five push-ups a day. That's all it takes. That's all he did. I'm pretty sure you said that a friend of yours in LA is a, a, a digital animator. Yeah. yeah. No, I can. Yeah. We can I take can care work. of that. Yeah. yeah. No, I but mean, you don't so, have to. Like, what happened? You know, Bowie, uh, when he pushed into his late 40s, early 50s, he cleaned up, right? 
Mm-hmm. Like, that. I'm gonna get that. He had that clean look for a while, just that very normal, <laughs> I, like in the in the black tie, white noise era. Do you guys know uh, what I'm talking about? Which record? Yeah. yeah, big Bowie fan here. He's like in my trinity. I have a, my musical trinity would probably be Bowie, Prince, nice. and Sly Stone. Nice. Yeah. And then I, you know, you guys are right that's there in the solid, second. That's a solid know, tripod. With Mark Eitzel, maybe you know, but yeah, those are those are my three. Have been for years. But, he, you know, you could have gone that route. You're a good-looking guy. You could just like, oh, I'm going to be clean. This is my new thing, you know, the, yeah, the office Bobby Con. You know? Yeah, I, I could, uh, yeah. I mean, I met Bowie, uh, was it 2000 and early 2004 or five or something like that, which was really nice, and it kind of blew me away because it was like, to me, it was like, oh, you can probably kill me right now because I, he, he invited me and uh, the band Tortoise to meet him yeah. after he was playing back he was playing in Chicago and like was doing these meet and greets and he requested to like, Oh, I, you know, and it was just like amazing to like meet Bowie and have a two second conversation and realize, wow, he's actually listened to my record. You know what I mean? Like David Bowie has listened to rise up and likes it and has listened to the golden age and likes it. And that was just like, well, that's all the validation I really need. But I think the thing that was really funny is talking about his look is that, you know, at that point, Bowie was, uh, I guess he was not that much older than I am right now. He's but he, early 60s. Yeah, early 60s. Uh, so like maybe 10 years older than me. So anyway, he was a very jolly, was not very cool. He was friendly and he reminded me of like a, a sort of a jolly, successful businessman. You <laughs> which know, he is. Which he is. Right. You know? Exactly. Like, was he tan and he was... Uh... Yeah, he was just sort of like fit and, and, and very chuckly and, and, and chummy. He was very chummy. And it's like, and it's kind of like in a way, I was like, that's not really what I want for be Like, I don't, I want to meet the thin like, white dude. Right. Right. Was like, he was, was like, like uh, in a dark bathroom. I really liked King for a day. <laughs> But you're not going to meet that boy no. because that boy he he put that person beside. We've you met know, other yeah. artists who are you know and like and frankly you know I mean like you can't you can't keep that up when you meet like these old rock stars that are still like living the life. Oh, who was that guy that we to- we played that show with? Oh, that that punk rock guy, yeah. the punk rock legend guy. Holy cow! Yeah, and he had his. We did the show with I forget his name, and it probably is better that we don't show it. Tell his name That's because okay. He, because we're not going to say anything really nice about him, but but uh, but he had this band of young. He was like a you know, like sort of a third. Lo- he wasn't like in uh, with Steve Bader's and the Dead Boys. He wasn't right, but he was the band that would play on the same bill as them, right? Um, and sort of a minor legend and had more notoriety in France than any place else. But anyway, so he was touring around the states. We were we played a show with him. He had this band of these kids. We made travel in a separate van. He drove around in like a Cadillac. Eldorado. Yeah, or, or Eldorado. He was driving around in Eldorado. <laughs> With his, his hair's manager, his, hair's, his young woman manager. His hair's totally dyed black. And the band are these young kids that he's basically paying in cocaine. They were like doing eight balls in the in the dressing room to the point where one of them had this like massive nosebleed on stage. <laughs> and I mean, it was super great and punk rock but i'm also just this is really sad these guys i mean i hope you guys get out of this but this cannot continue very long you cannot you cannot roll that that way for for too long it just it just falls apart the wheels come off the wagon quickly so what's up with the chicago music scene these days it is it's a little dormant it's pretty dead yeah no one can play any shows so it's really really sad uh like all the venues 
are closed. Everyone, yeah, I mean, no one can tour. Well, not all of the venues will come back either. We lost Slim's in San Francisco, which was like my favorite spot there. And more of the places are going to go. But prior to the, the virus, how yeah, well, is the, who's, who's hitting in Chicago right now? Who are you guys, who are you guys rooting for? This Damon is your chance to name drop some friends. Uh, Damon Locks definitely is uh, our, our friend who was in a band in the 90s with Fred Armisen. They were in a band called Trenchmouth. And then Damon, for a long, long time, was... He still is in The Eternals. Doing this band, The Eternals, with this guy, Wayne Montana, doing kind of like a, a dub-influenced but wide-ranging musical project. But he put together this thing called the Black Monument Ensemble uh, for about the past two years that is really tapping into kind of a Afrofuturist, uh, Sun Ra. Well, also, also rotary, yeah. uh, rotary connection. Yeah. Or just sort of AACM, uh, psychedelic, but also very grounded in. And there's a great new label in Chicago called uh, international anthem that put out the record that they do a lot of like jazz, but like avant jazz and outsider mm-hmm music um that's a way that chicago has always been strong that uh the cross-pollination between genres has always been that i mean that's true for us that's true for so many bands so yeah so so damon the fact and that record has been actually really really successful uh considering it's kind of a it's not like a pop record um that's released as damon locks or as the black monument ensemble black monument ensemble got it people can find that Yep, on Spotify or wherever. Um, so that's really good. Yeah, International Anthem Records. It's also International Anthem's also loosely connected with our friend Ed that has the Kinski, that has Kinski and the radio station and the brewery and all that. Yeah, so, so Ed pretty much owns Chicago. Is what I'm hearing. Pretty much. He's kind he's of a, a, he's the Lord of Bridgeport. Lord sure. of Bridgeport. Lord of Bridgeport. Um, and then I think uh, another another band that we really like is our friend uh, Todd Rittman has a band called Dead Writer. He was in a he was in in the '90s. He was in U.S. Maple kind of a post Beefheart weird combo. And but now his his project uh, Dead Writer is is really cool. And he actually directed the disaster video. He's yeah, also a good, great oh really maker as it turns yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, he did that. And that, and we did that video in in one night which was really nice and like almost all the all the effects were were in camera which i thought was really really cool the way he just did that something that nobody who's listening to this will care about is uh one of my favorite chicago bands of all time and they finally finally got to see him play um cap and jazz the kinsella brothers oh yeah Uh, and so cap and jazz went back out on the road um you know these are guys who were recording to me just uh, the, the 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 energy and the 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 fury and the angst and the sadness at, at like 17 16 years old you know back in like the late 80s emo, don't you know yeah well they branched into all these other bands right Wait, just same, is that tim yeah yeah, yeah I, played on, I played on some joan of arc records yeah. did you really yeah yep. oh, i've got all those records and well, cds did you yeah. um he also wrote he an wrote amazing a, article. He had the coronavirus in Italy, and it and he wrote about it in Chicago Magazine. And it Tim is, did or Mike? Yeah. Tim did. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, and um, it's a, just a harrowing article. I can send you the link for it. It's called "I Barely Please Got do. It in Italy." It is insane. Yeah. Wow. wow. Should, okay. Yeah, Tim. I would like to check that out. So you should do the podcast with Tim. Yeah. He'd be happy. Uh, yeah, you guys hooked me up. I would love to do that. These. Uh, 
well, we could just go on and on about Tim. He also wrote a book that I have. Didn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, a, Mike a, good writer. he's a really good writer. Yeah, yeah, no, I have his book. I haven't read it yet. Writer, bartender, musician, birth, so many great bands. Anyway, so I finally got to see them live in San Francisco, and I thought, ah, uh, you know, these guys are, are they going to be any good? Fucking yeah, good. They're, they're great, great, great show. Yeah, and Joan of Arc is, is still great. The, he, t, t, Tim has this new band, which is more electronic with his current wife and the name I forget. So I apologize. It's in that. the article. It's in the article. In the article. But, but, it, but it's we'll also really article. cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean. So he's doing that with his, with his wife, you said? Yeah. So yeah. you guys, this is my natural segue. I like to call out the segues because it makes it sound cooler yeah. for some reason to me. You guys are all husband and wife and stuff. Yeah. And creative partners. And you've been playing music together for, I can only imagine, at least. 20 like 25 years or something. Um, and Julie, uh, sorry, Monica, are we in character? How do we do that? No, I don't have the wig on. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. So <laughs> I'm not, we're not talking to Monica, but we're talking to Julie. Okay. I mean, you're no, it's not like you're just some small part of the band. Your, your violin, do you call it a violin or do you call it I a... I love it or hate it. It's definitely yeah. there. It's there and it's... So avoiding it. It's amazing. It's so much of the energy of, of the Bobby Khan experience. Um, I'm sure you've been asked a lot about this, but how does that work? Do you, have, do you have... What has been your answer in the past to the question of what's the secret sauce of, of staying married and being in a band, being in a business together? Because the band is a business. So how does that work? What's the... Is there a... Is it like, well, we give each other a lot of space or... How, oh, what's the, a lot of space. I think I think it's the opposite. We give each other zero space. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll say that the the people I know who have had similar careers to mine, which is like where there's been a lot of touring, but maybe not a lot of money, their relationships haven't lasted. And I think one of the reasons why is because. Because she is in the band. Yeah, so he like, was smart to fold me in. Yeah, it's not... because she's there. So she's, in, in, I mean, and also that, yeah, you I'm know. In, I'm invested. <laughs> so as it turned out, like uh, the Golden Age, which came out in 2001, um, we recorded it while she was pregnant with Augie. And then 9-11 happened three weeks after Augie was born. That was weird. That was a weird yeah. and and about a month and a half before the record came out, and then I went on a press tour to to, to Europe for uh, the Golden Age, like basically six weeks after Augie was born, and then we went on the tour for that record three months after Augie was born, and we never we didn't really think about like whether that was a good idea or not. We just did it. We just put yeah. Augie in a probably wasn't a good idea in some ways and and that was also that record was the most like that was when i was we were actually successful like that was when we were playing for like hundreds and hundreds of people uh every night and went on like multiple six week long tours of, of europe and also in the states and it's kind of amazing that that it worked but i can't you know, i don't think it would have worked if i was out doing that and she was at home. It like, would have mm -hmm. caused a lot of friction, I think. I mean, <laughs> actually, I know. <laughs> it would have caused a lot of friction. So it's not really that sustainable to like, you know, be a, a good dad. So he, yeah. And a good he lets me be in the partner. band so I leave him alone. <laughs> wow. Also, I want you in the band. I mean, like the, the other thing is... Uh, I would have never come up with this on my own. I have to say, this is not a life trajectory that I... I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, but 
not this probably this did not occur to me yeah but you were playing music before you guys met right uh yeah so played at some orchestras and string quartets and then i and then but you were in like a session you were you were chicago's favorite cheap violin that's true i was the (laughs) i was the low low budget violin player you played on a whole bunch of like (laughs) those joan of arc records and like there's that guy that was in full i did all those in full yeah it's you know we're with Brian Deck and uh, Brad Wood and, and Casey, Casey Rice, Rice and and Jim O'Rourke when Jim O'Rourke was in That's Chicago. Right. That's right. Uh, oh, yeah. Is he so still Chicago. releasing stuff? I loved I loved some of his records. He's, he's in Japan. He does. He's in Japan, but he's he's one of the stranger humans. But uh, hi Jim, hope you're well. Yeah, we love him. Um, but yeah, I mean, so she was doing that. I was, I've never been much of a planner. I just uh, I'm not been much of a planner either. I mean, the fact that like we were ever as successful as we have been at every step it's always been a surprise to me and i think that mm-hmm. that helps maybe because there was a time you know maybe about i don't know 10 years ago when i was like felt like i should try harder to to be successful in the music business and that was actually the least fun time because keep the expectations yes yeah. nice that's there's your secret <laughs> when I, right when, when you have no expectations, that's when good things happen, I think. Well, and I think also, as it turns out, as we went along, and we did do all that touring, I think we did also both, maybe without even fully articulating it or saying it out loud, is that all we did want to have a middle-class upbringing for our children mm-hmm. um, and a house and, and some, like a childhood that maybe looked like our own childhoods. And so, so that's when you started writing pop no, songs that's when that we, were going to no, gold records. <laughs> yeah, no, that's when we mainly also had other jobs. Out. Well, don't, don't, Sorry. don't ruin it for us. You don't have other jobs. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, that, that's the other thing too, is that, um, I mean, I think, Whoa, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, my illusions been shattered for me. Oh, so sorry. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, that's something that, that, that still kind of blows me away when especially like european press I mean, they're like, not great jobs no they're not they're not good jobs at all um <laughs> uh the, but the the uh the european press always assumes that like that all i do is like and bobby khan and that when i'm you know the, He's when just i'm at home when with i'm taking boots on yes, the right. when i'm taking Hanging out with a denim jacket and the when i'm taking <laughs> seven years to release a record that those seven years are spent like i don't know like meditating in tibet or something i don't know what they think i'm doing like well i'm you know a lot of yoga yeah uh, so yeah i mean i worked the whole time i've had a full-time job for the whole time that i for my entire music career i've always had a full-time job and like when i'm touring i'm taking i basically either have to quit the job or and then get another job and that's true for that's true for so many musicians we've been done enough touring and made it work i mean like if if julie hadn't been there on tour i would have done a lot of really stupid stuff uh that more stupid stuff or more stupid stuff uh and if if our son we didn't have a baby on tour we would have done a lot of stupid stuff uh but the fact that we like on on the, the peak of our success was when we had an infant in the van meant that like necessarily we had to kind of like focus on like playing the show as best we could and then like getting enough 
sleep and staying sane so that we could take care of this small child. And that was, that was the case for, you know, the, the thing that really upset the apple cart and this, no offense to Claudia, but like having the, the second child that made it was just like, we couldn't really like, we needed to like double our income at that point. We did do it though. We did. We did. We did okay. a lot of tours our, but with, with both our of tour them. Van with every seat filled because three of them were two car seats and a, and a nanny. Yeah. I mean like the Other fact bands that have a driver. Like a tr- no, I get it. You know, with, I've got three kids and I definitely at number three, less angel dust. Yeah. Definitely cutting back on the angel yeah, dust. Definitely. You know? Your PCP habit goes way down, way yeah. down. You know, yeah. it's just not as cool to be aggro. it's just not it's less cool so that that yeah i mean i think also the creatively julie is great at making things better and i'm good at coming up with dumb ideas i'd say we have a pretty good division of labor yeah Yeah. and that i'm okay i actually um i i understand this about myself and i think it's actually a you know, collaborator isn't always a bad word, and mm-hmm. I I think there's... unless it's with Nazis, <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I just think that like I do have I work well with others, and I enjoy and I don't love coming up with the idea, but I enjoy adding to the ideas, and mm-hmm. that everybody can be a side musician. Yeah, I can't because yeah. no one. <laughs> let me tell you something. No one in the twenty-five years of being in the Chicago music scene, no one's been like, "Oh, would it be great if Bobby came over and played guitar?" Like, oh, no, <laughs> not no. No, well, one time, like literally You're on the Cave record. Yeah, I like two times. Someone's actually like, "Oh, it'd be great," and then they usually feel like, "Oh, yeah, that was cool." And then that's it. They never, <laughs> never. So Chicago, happened. Chicago musicians, Chicago area. This is a, a plea for help right now. Are, are no, no, this? Not, yeah, at this is definitely no a plea. not at all. You know, it's just like, Bobby wants to play on your record. I just, so, I just think I really. I mean, I one thousand dollars per hour. I would like to record event. your record. I like recording people better than necessarily playing on the record. So I don't, you know. There's like, I'm just saying, I'm a good side person, and I, yeah. and I, I feel there's no shame in it. So yeah, and that so, works out for us. There's a passion there, right? And you're still able, this is what the whole Nice Work podcast tries to get to ultimately is bringing people in to talk about that have successfully more or less married their personal passion to their career. Yes, you have side jobs, et cetera. Do you feel whether you're selling records or whether the numbers on Spotify click up to, you know, uh, the place where you feel like, oh, people are listening are you always going to make music because you just absolutely have to? Yes. Oh yeah. 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 A lot of musicians quit. They give up eventually. Right. Uh, Yeah. And I mean, I don't really, I don't know. Some, some, I do get, sometimes I get a little frustrated when I talk with people who are, are understandably sour on the, the music business or just like how hard it is. And like, well, yeah, it's but it's kind of like for my attitude is like making like the bands that I loved the most when I was in in high school, which is like here's a great Bay Area band, Flipper. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, like they were my absolute favorite favorite band from, and that kind of like that kind of sums up like for me like they were the you know I was really into hardcore, but like Flipper was my favorite band, and they're like the least hardcore of the <laughs> hardcore bands because they played really slow and 
and they didn't like have all the macho aspects of like all the less less macho posturing yeah a lot less they were barely able to stand up let alone posture Uh, so i love flipper so much and and you think about like you know i mean people still think about them and love them now but like at the at the at the time like they were they didn't make any money. They weren't popular. Like right. in my high school, like when I would tell other people that I like Flipper and then I would play them the music, they would punch me. They would like physically <laughs> hit me. Like, you know, like this is, what the fuck? This sucks. Cause they're into like Van Halen, which I also like, but uh, making weird music or making your own music is, it's always been hard. It's always impossible. And when you stop making music, then you stop being a musician. So, best to keep making music if you're a musician and whether anyone likes it or not is kind of it's almost neither here nor there really and then when i talk to some i have some friends that are more successful and they they get a little bit down on like kind of the character of their audience at times and i'm like you know be happy you have any <laughs> i would love to have the problem of like i'm not sure if i like every single person and the 10,000 people that came to see me tonight like that, you know, I'm sure I wouldn't, but it doesn't matter. It's like a miracle that, that people get excited about music. So I, I don't know that I try to, that's my way of trying to keep positive. I've been more happy making music in the past five years because the stakes are super low. Like I don't worry about and, anymore. And also I think a big part of, making the music is to play it with from musicians that you like to play with. Yeah. I mean, you love, I mean, you love hanging out with Josh. Let's, yeah. And, and you guys are never leaving Chicago, right? That's your spot. Probably not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we talked Turns to, out we're Midwesterners. Yeah. We, we, we thought, I, I, love, I love Chicago. We def, we definitely like years and years ago, like before we made rise up, we, we actually thought about moving to LA. Yeah. Uh, LA. But that was, you know, in the late 90s, and that didn't happen. And then, like, I'll never forget, you know, the uh, Peaches? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so she actually lives in L.A. now. But, like, when she was just getting super hot, we played some shows with her in Toronto before she moved to Berlin. And then right after she moved to Berlin, she's like, Bobby, you should move to Berlin. It's amazing here. And we're just like, well, Oh, I know. And, and then she, her career took off like crazy when she went to Berlin. And so we, you know, and, and like, and now I have the have label a, that put out the new record is the German label. Yeah. So like now we have, for whatever but I, reason, I don't, we have I don't affinity for the, for German, the Germans. Yeah. You would have been, you would have been big in Berlin. You still could be big in Berlin. It's not over. The game is not over. Yeah. It yeah. Don't, no, it's yeah, not, maybe it's they not reset over, the but, clock a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but I don't, you know, as far as like why, why apparently, I need to move to Berlin. Apparently I don't know. we're never moving out of this house. So. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, we got this house. My, <laughs> You've got a recording. You've got a studio in there, right? Yeah, yeah I got my house. Yeah. yeah you, 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 need. In here, you can see yeah. the tables hanging up on the wall. Yeah. So, Speakers um, and drums and yeah. Yeah. Music. And, There's, and I'm looking at musical things. People right. like yeah. they look like musicians. Yeah. yeah and that's we, cool. It, I can see symbols down here. Um, and it was, it's super yeah. fun. We didn't even go to a studio. Yeah, no studio. No studios were involved. <laughs> so I feel super, super lucky. It makes me feel a little bit like, you know, when you never you hear like musicians like, just totally blessed, man. Just totally blessed. And uh, 
but, but we, yeah, I guess we are. So <laughs> <laughs> we do miss our musician friends that we can't. Play yeah, just play right now, right it now. just sucks because we're we're trapped. We're uh, all luckily. We're all trapped. See now another way you were smart because you're trapped in the house with one of your musicians. Because like that's, that's the true. thing about Bobby is he's he's you know expandable. He's can go from one to no. Well, our current super band is what seven. Seven. Yeah. So. We're so you think you guys will take this time, this downtime at all to um, do any more writing or you just released a record, you know, but we uh, take advantage gonna, of this in any I, way? No, I'm going to do some writing. And actually I talked to, I talked to Josh, our drummer, and he's, he's of course trapped. Um, and so I, digitally you can cooperate though. He can send yeah, you some tracks and things. Collabs, okay. Do some collabs that way. But I kind of don't want to, um, I don't think we're going to, well, also I work really slowly, obviously, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think we're going to make like a record. That's like, that's like, this is our Corona record. There's going to be so many. I was just going to say that there's going to be so many Corona. I've had in the last two days, um, two scripts sent to me from friends that are working or they're, you know, germinations of scripts to review, uh, mm -hmm. Book. Just so many friends are reaching out to me saying, "Hey, I'm I'm getting into this thing now. Will you check it out and give me your feedback?" I'm starting a new a new screenplay. I mean, you know, because what else are we gonna do? Especially like you know, if you lost your work like I did, um, you've got to be doing something, you know. But that is kind of a luxurious position, I, you know. If those of us that aren't absolutely desperate, when so many, you know, there goes the income. How are you gonna pay rent? Things like that. Yeah, I mean that that's right now I you know uh how am I going to pay rent? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I just don't want I don't want to talk about that right now it's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um a lot of bridge. We're watching a lot of French old French movies. Yes, we're watching classic films of French cinema. And we're right uh, and the cooking and the cooking and the groceries that occupies a lot of time yeah. when you're cooking every meal at home for four people yeah our kids going so how old are your kids now because you're oh they're uh how old are they i have kids right seven nine and 17 so is he a senior in high school justice is a junior oh, yeah a justice is a junior i feel so, bad for our teens i think yeah very hard yeah. on them yeah. it's a tough time when you lose half of your high school year yeah yeah you know, that's there it goes Augie well, was in college and he's back home with us no Augie's in college this is college. his first year. Wow. Yeah. Doing wow. The rest of his semester online. Yeah. yeah. So, the, so but this it, counts as a semester abroad, sort of now, huh? Yeah, semester yes. at home. It's <laughs> yeah. a new program. But, you know, he's a, a musician, too, although he, I, I asked him when he was packing for spring break to bring home, you know, everything he might need for to live at home, but his school hadn't called it yet, so he brought home his book. Where is he going to school? Uh, it's a school in St. Paul, Minnesota called McAllister. It's a small, it's a small arts college. What's he playing? He's a musician. What's he doing? He makes his own tracks. He does a lot of stuff in Ableton. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But he has, like, our, base, our base is trapped in St. Paul right yeah, now. That's, <laughs> I, gave him, I gave him my base for his birthday yeah. and really regretting it at the moment. Because <laughs> yeah. I was going to buy a new base for myself, but now I... I well, I guess I could still, but I'm, uh, I, 
Some, somebody somebody wants shouldn't. to hang on to the money for groceries and other things. But maybe maybe he'll finally get desperate enough to want to play with us. Maybe. maybe. I don't see that happening. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. But anyway, he yeah. makes really, really cool tracks. He's he's uh he's so much more efficient. He's amazingly efficient. Uh than it it makes a song a day. Yeah, creating stuff than I am, which is I you know. But on the other hand, I kinda remember when I was eighteen, I they just were pouring out of me. <laughs> now I have to s- scrape them out of me. <laughs> I mean I still do it, but I'll just be get really obsessive about like crap that doesn't matter. Like I'm I'm gonna really dial in this snare sound right now, man. I'm gonna spend like six weeks on this. But dinner <laughs> But anyway, I I don't know. Julie, the process changes over the years. It definitely does. Definitely. Well, I also I don't want to repeat myself too too much. So when I find like, oh, I already did this, then I have to do something else. You know. Well, it's what I love. We were talking about Cap and Jazz earlier, and they they only put out one real record. A uh, mm-hmm. few things that can, got compiled, and these these men were fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, where they're recording this, and it was just all raw, right? Obviously you're not going to look at it and go, wow, these are really proficient musicians in the sound, you know, especially the way uh, Tim sings. Right. But it's, it's, (laughs) it's so beautiful in its rawness and lyrically the, the, the uh, concerns and the power of youth in that still to me resonate. And I feel like when you lose that, when you lose that connection, when you listen to a cap and jazz record and it no longer hums for you, you know, I think that speaks more to you than, than the music. Right. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, like, or if you're listening to Flipper or, you know, I still, my, my high school Flipper, this is, you know, for what you're going to probably roll your eyes, but was Dag Nasty. Do you remember mm-hmm. them? They were a Discord band. They were kind of pop. They weren't hardcore. They were right. pop punk, you know. Yeah. Um, that was my sort of Flipper. Not the same sound, but, right. you know, the thing that my, I'm really my Halen friends would. Dag Nasty, just so, slightly. <laughs> it's okay. Totally. I'm not pulling up the reference. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, they were a Discord uh, band. Back, I mean, Fugazi was my thing then. Right, know. right. Uh, Fugazi and and Erasure. Um, you know those two, Fugazi and Erasure. Like, yeah, Obvious I never, combo. <laughs> you know, I don't know why what that is, but like for whatever reason, like that whole Discord scene didn't. I never connected with like Minor even, Threat. Sometimes it maybe even that. I mean, you're five years younger than we are. Sometimes yeah. that yeah. can be a crucial five years. Yeah, it is a crucial now. five years. However, we just saw the makeup. Oh, oh my God, Ian. That was the and last Ian. show we saw before the quarantine. And yeah. it was so life-affirming, although... The makeup is still playing? Yes, just, and they were so... Uh, one of my all-time favorite shows. If, yeah. if Ian had coronavirus, he... We easily, all have it now. We all have it, because yeah. he was like walking on yeah. people's hands and shoulders that, the that whole guy's show. Oh he's, my a, God, he's, he's a genuine rock star he, he really connected like in a physical us. way yeah. like he yeah. really understands like his microphone technique of like flipping the mic throwing the mic catching with one hand while being while able, surfing on somebody's being shoulders. able to like <laughs> like just walk across the crowd on people's hands and not fall down and, and like sing it's just it's it's I had a, a similarly mesmerizing moment to when I listened to your record. I didn't really know the makeup. Um, what was his band before? Nation of the Ulysses? Is that yeah. right? Am I remembering? Yeah. So a new nation a little bit. But there was a, a makeup show at Crystal Ballroom in Portland, which I'm sure you guys have been to at some point. 
just say you have. Anyway, it's a great space in Portland. I think it's still there. Went and saw the makeup there by myself and the energy you just talked about. I was just transfixed, smiling mm-hmm. huge. Like this guy has it. He has it. He's this little package of, he's got a little prints to him. He's got a little bit of, I don't know. I just blew me away. Five, six, seven years later, saw them again in San Francisco. And I don't know, love you, San Francisco, but you often don't really get up and dance no. live bands. And he called the band out. I mean, he called the, the crowd out. And I was just so disappointed because he, he was there and he was just kind of wasted on San Francisco a little bit. You know, um, it's great to know. I was wondering if the makeup was, was still around. Um, yeah. I'm going to check that out when we're done here. I'm going to look. Oh, no, I can't. Nobody's touring right now. Oh, yeah, I got so excited. Damn you, coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Ian, Ian is, is a, a real gift if you ever get a chance to see him. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward. We're going to go on tour in September, which hopefully is okay. time for this coronavirus to be done so that we can go on tour again. In, or at least under control, under control or something. Or, I don't know. Yeah, we nobody knows what the Nobody knows. I think we'll be fine by September, but your venues may not be around, right? That's the weird part. Yeah. Well, who's still around and we're gonna do a yeah. European tour and then we're gonna you know, like I think we probably won't do any USA touring Aww. really until I'm not saying no until <laughs> like in November, if then. So right. we gotta we we were, go to Cancun in November. I'm joking. I don't Sorry, know. Sorry. Going to play Cancun. Well, when, when you do get on tour, we'll put the word out to the Super Nice Club members. Um, yeah. Do you guys have a... Do you guys have a the smell was uh, one of the most tragic experiences of my life. Yeah, you do need to make that up. I, mean, I definitely owe LA a better show because I played at the smell mm-hmm. and there was some electrical problem where I was getting shocked from the phone like through my guitar amp um and uh but it was like so bad that it was like i mean at the end i mean i was getting it was uh dangerous (laughs) i wasn't there for this one yeah it was and it wasn't it was a tour that i this is when i was trying to push my career a little bit so i went on tour without that was the problem. Big mistake, apparently. I didn't bring Julie. Julie didn't come um, because uh, Claudia had just been born, really. Something, in, something yeah, inconvenient and, like that. And, like, there just wasn't really enough money to, like, make it work. So I went on tour, and it was I, – I had a complete, like, meltdown on stage at the smell, like, whipped my guitar across the, uh, across the room. You yeah, got all angry. PCP. Yeah, got it. And I felt really bad because, like, their audience was just like, Bobby's not happy. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, yeah, because I'm getting shocked and this fucking sucks. But I didn't really have a way to, like, like, I think I, you know, I don't, that wouldn't happen now. Well, she would be with me. But uh, also, I think, like, you know, I really, really felt bad about it because, uh, yeah, there's just no reason to get angry. Because, I mean, all I would have needed to have done was just, like, you know what? We're not. Because, I mean, it wasn't like there was, like, let's so many. Let's stop and fix this. Well, it was <laughs> death boring. But I just could have said, like, let's just, I'm going to get off the stage. I'm getting down on the ground. We're all going to sit down, and we're going to, I'm going to tell you a story for the next 20 minutes. Because 
otherwise is just a waste of everybody's time. If we can't, if we can't be together in this room that we're together in, then, then there's no point. It doesn't like, it's not a show if I'm just leaving, you know? So, uh, anyway, so I, Oh, I owe you LA. All right. Well, we will be here. We'll be here. I'll be here for sure. Um, so super nice challenge is the thing that we do where you guys issue just some sort of challenge to the members. Do you guys have one? Do you want to do one? Hmm. Yeah. I think no uh, pressure. I think every gonna, day is a super nice challenge. I think, uh, <laughs> I think, I think actually, so this is, this is where another reason why I'm like not a very good person. And, and Julie is a very good person. She is super nice. I'm like a less super nice, but, and this may seem like just kind of common sense, like, of course you would do this, but I would advise people to do something like this. But we have a friend who uh, has three kids and she got coronavirus hmm. and uh, she needed help getting food for her kids. And so Julie got on her bicycle and picked up five days of lunches. Oh, three days of lunches for five kids. Oh, three days of lunches. Oh, wow. And, uh, and wrote it over and put it on her porch so that she, you know, so that they're all feeling better. Though. Yeah. Okay. So that may just seem like common courtesy, but like that's the minimal super nice that we all need to be. Um, you need to like reach out to people that, that, you know, maybe are having a hard time and see what you can do to help them out because the, the level of isolation that people are going to sink in because we're just starting, you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. made, 29th we're it this is just starting we got at least another four to six weeks of this before there's any like positive change agreed especially elderly people in your neighborhood or in your family you know the elderly folks are having you know they can't get out as easily they're more susceptible um we've been doing that in in the new neighborhood that i'm in uh it's kind of a weird thing to go around meet your neighbors for the first time during coronavirus, knocking on the door because nobody wants to open the door, you know, and they're paranoid, um, especially in Brentwood where they're kind of like, oh, are you, you know, here to rob me? It, it's a little bit different. Sorry, Brentwood, but you are very paranoid and kind of weird in that way. Um, but going around to the elderly people, going around to the people, absolutely, absolutely. We have to do it. It takes work and you're putting yourself out there, Julie. When you're out there getting the food, picking up the stuff, you know, you're putting yourself at risk a little bit. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's like that's, my bike is quarantined at the moment. <laughs> spray it down with alcohol. Yeah, soak it. So, the way that I usually end these things is I put you on the spot by saying, "Hey, do you have a question for me?" And there's usually a pause. There's a pregnant pause, which just happened. We'll do another one. Okay, because you're gonna edit these out. Yeah, the you are out. gonna edit. probably not. Yeah, I'm just gonna let it ride. Oh my oh god! Well, oh, that's this asking a lot. <laughs> I know. No, I'll I'll probably edit it out. I guess my question for you is like, you know, I've known you for now a good almost twenty years, fifteen or sixteen, fifteen or sixteen years, mm. and yep. I've never actually understood like what it is that you do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm laughing because it's apparently he didn't. <laughs> it's been asked of me so many times, you know, it, so many times. Part of that is because social media is so fucking weird. You know, we curate our lives, right? Uh, and, and you appear on one hand to be so open and and wow, you share every detail. It's like no, you see every detail I share. Big difference, right? 
Um, so a lot of folks don't know because I am weirdly private about some things that people usually aren't. And I'm weirdly open about some things that a lot of people aren't. Did I say that backwards? You get no. the drift. Yeah. So what I do is I, I work as a writer and a creative director. Um, and sometimes I work as a, like I had a corporate gig that ended, well, a year ago where I was working as a VP of marketing for a big financial firm, which I was really at odds with in some ways because it was corporate. But right. after hustling for so many years doing freelance gigs for anything from local companies to Microsoft and Samsung, you know, just the hustle can be a grind. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially as a writer, you know, creative director, sometimes photographer. So, you know, right now uh, I'm in L.A. Uh, working on, like I said earlier, um, well, before we started recording this, working on a show uh, with Diddy, yeah. Puff Daddy, Sean, mm-hmm. Sean John. He was trying to change his name this year to Love, but I don't think that went anywhere. Wow. I don't know. Maybe, it, maybe it'll be Love by the time, by the time this uh, virus uh, emerges. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically what I do. You know, um, I write anything from copy, ad copy, to film scripts, to uh, TV show treatments, uh, creative direct projects. Of Basically, if it's a really cool, big, impossible, ridiculous idea mm-hmm. coupled with good people, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That, that's that's what it is, and that's kind of what Super Nice Club is. It's big, stupid, crazy, shockingly naive. We're gonna make the world ten percent nicer. Idea. I don't know if it's good people. I'm an okay person. I'm definitely not. Um, I think what we qualified as super nice, but that's why it's a personal challenge for me, right? You're trying trying to get there a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. It was merely nice. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I'm I'm aiming for merely nice. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's what I do. Um, I'm a hustler, more yeah. or less. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. that because that's that's kind of what I always figured. Because it it seems like it seems like my impression of you is that you're always like uh, making something happen, and <laughs> and really through 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 dint of like being open and available to say yes to stuff that comes your way. And that that's like, which is something that's a, that's a talent by the way that a lot of people don't have. So well, it's also got to say no to things too, which has been a struggle for me getting over overloaded, but you know what? And again, and I've gotten into this a couple of times, what you see on social media is always curated. It's a persona. And I think for our generation, maybe a little more than newer generations coming up who see their Facebook identity as necessarily being wholly who they are, mm-hmm. right? And whereas when I was coming up on modems in the war game era, what was that movie? Anthony Bro- or uh, Matthew Broderick? Yeah, I had a modem back then and you had um, fake names, right? right? Like, you know, Troll Killer 15 or whatever. And you didn't have to be consistent with... No your identity. And I have part of that in on Facebook, even though it's still me, you know, it's Todd brilliant and it's my face and my kids and my job and all that. I don't feel compelled to be always, I don't want to say truthful, but sort of like I will put out positions that aren't even mine and I will defend them out of just wild curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I I don't have to ever admit that there's nobody I have to answer to, you know, because my friends that are in my life know Right. right where I'm at. But I think that obfuscates for a lot of people, what I do, what I'm all about, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I never want to post 
anything. <laughs> really, <laughs> like I enjoy com. I enjoy like making pithy comments. That's like my, which I enjoy doing that. But I don't like posting that much. And so like, see, so you're a side. You're a side fan. Yeah, I'm definitely a social side social uh, media side side person. Uh, yeah. But it, but I guess what's kind of like what's nice is that like I make this record and then like my the BobbyCon Facebook page, which has pretty much been dormant for like seven years, all of a sudden like people are engaged with it, which is which is nice because it's kind of like oh they still remember, you know what I mean? Like that's mm -hmm. what that makes me feel they like they haven't forgotten. Yeah, which is like <laughs> that that you know I don't have to like constantly like hammer. And people are like, yeah, check out this amazing new. Well, Facebook is aren't they always telling you to boost your posts? Yeah, get more likes. Yeah, get yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that I that I have not done any of that, and then like when I do have a record that the people that care still care is that's nice. It's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks you too. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to just catch up, talk to yeah, me on the podcast. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and just dub in completely different questions. Love it, and then you guys will answer them. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah voiceover artist and redo the voices too. You know, we can do that. Yeah, there's a uh, there's an amazing ACDC documentary that you should see. It's a French documentary mm -hmm. where, like, for for whatever reason, they dubbed both the questions, which I think were probably recorded like with bad audio. Mm -hmm. They overdubbed the questions, but they also overdubbed. <laughs> Bon Scott and uh, uh oh, whoa, I lost audio. Ah, we lost transmission there. Thanks, Zoom. <laughs> so, there you have it, folks a super nice conversation with Bobby and Julie about their nice work making music, making love, making a family, and just making it work. Find them, listen to their music on Spotify or Apple Music, or YouTube, or even pick up their CDs and vinyl, wherever you do that. Don't forget to subscribe to Nice Work, wherever you get this podcast now, and definitely please, please, please leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, plain old email, Todd, T-O-D, it's just one D, at superniceclub.com, or call me, ding, ding, on the phone, wait, bring, bring, ding, ding, ah, on the nice line, at 707 500 15 80. To be a member of the Super Nice Club, all you have to do follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Try to be a little bit nicer. If you want to represent with some sweet, super nice street fashion, just go over to superniceclub.com and use discount code SUPERNICECHICAGO for 15% off. Cool? All right. Listen next to Disaster by Bobby Khan. It's coming up. Stay nice, everyone.
So what? Big deal. 